You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from House for All Sinners and Saints. We are an Evangelical Lutheran Church in America congregation in Denver, Colorado, and you can find out more about us at www.houseforall.org. Grace, peace, and mercy are yours from the triune God. Eat more bread. Amen. (laughs) Just kidding. So, because I'm a double Virgo, Scorpio Moon, Enneagram 8, Myers-Briggs ENFP, I have a fabulous trophy case of grudges. I love my grudges. I love to line them up on the shelf and admire them. I love how well-crafted they are, how clever their device and mechanism, how fine their finish. From time to time, I take them down from the shelf and polish my grudges as I cradle them lovingly in my arms. Not to mention a whole second bedroom full of resentments, shelves and shelves and shelves. I carry as many as I can with me when I go out. I have a few in my pocket as I browse the peanut butter section at Trader Joe's, thinking fondly about how a friend forgot our peanut butter sandwiches on a hike. I like to wear a few on the charm bracelet around my wrist, thinking of how a long-ago ex didn't even get me a Christmas present the year I thought I was getting a ring. From time to time, I will wear one as large as a backpack as I jog around Cheeseman Park, admiring the sturdy weight of a grudge against friends who didn't invite me to their wedding. And yet, despite these obvious joys, there is unfortunately a downside. I know, I know. How could there be a downside to grudge holding? when it keeps us so well protected from harm. Still, as I tenderly cradle my grudges, I find myself forgetting items in the grocery store, while I mentally compose a very clever tweet about sandwich forgetters. I spend more time thinking of what I won't be getting certain people for Christmas, instead of keeping my eyes open for something that honors my friends and loved ones today. And when I'm jogging around beautiful Cheeseman Park with a backpack full of vitriol, it eventually seeps through, and I end up ugly crying and scaring all the poodles while trying to crest the very minor hill next to the botanical gardens. Carrying grudges and polishing resentments is a beloved habit of mine, one that makes me feel safe and powerful in a complex world. I carry these things so I can feel smart, better than, and wise to the ways of the world. And then my friend's wedding photos are published and I see they're both over the moon for each other, blissfully unaware of my superior emotional intelligence. 
I am at last always alone with my grudges. And yet I always return to my lonely trophy case at which I am the sole worshiper. And I continue to pray to my resentments, hoping they'll save me from the pain of this world. I wear the talisman of Saint Grudges around my neck and publicly proclaim my allegiance to him for anyone who will listen. And like every faithful human on this earth, I am changed by what I choose to worship. A friend of mine, an Episcopal priest, told me this story. When he was a young priest, eager, serious, earnest, he presided over communion one morning. My friend picked up the large communion wafer to break and spread into pieces onto each of the communion plates to be passed around. He lifted the wafer, spoke the sacred words of institution, and discovered at that moment that he had picked up the protective cardboard from the bottom of the packet of wafers. (laughs) Having already blessed the cardboard... He felt compelled to crack it, tear it into pieces, and sprinkle it onto the plates. What became of the host as it was passed around the congregation that day? Did people eat it? I do not know, and my friend will not say. (laughs) What my friend did say, though, was at that moment he realized three things. First that being a priest will not prevent him from making mistakes. Second, it's usually better to own up to those mistakes immediately than to feed cardboard to the congregation. (laughs) And third, if this so-called bread of life was indistinguishable from a piece of cardboard, could he really say he was feeding people? So my question to myself this week, mindlessly polishing a grudge while reviewing the week's lectionary was, am I trying to make a feast out of a cardboard communion? Am I worshiping at the trophy case altar of empty spiritual calories? I also couldn't help but notice, as many of us notice, that this is the fourth week in a row where our lectionary gives us explicit and nearly identical scripture about Jesus telling us to eat his body, which is actually bread. And I commend our preachers for admirably taking on the subject of Jesus as bread not once but four times in a row. Someone described resentments to me once as pulling a dead body out of a well to yell at it. Grudges as grave digging and trying to make a dead thing answer for your disappointments. And then here is Jesus, insistent over and over again that when we eat of his body, we will live. One of our resident theologians and preachers, Reverend Riley, said to me this week that it's not just about the body. It's not just about the bread, but it's also about the spirit. Bread, food, life, community, filled with spirit. And John would agree. 
His entire gospel claim seems to be that divine life is communal, incarnates in living bodies, and fills the world with spirit, with food that feeds us body, mind, and soul, with food that is for us, not just falling on our heads like manna rain, although I will take a good manna rain any day, but food in a person who is wildly divine and wildly in love with us. And somehow this is the most difficult teaching. The one that turned away even disciples who were standing in the presence of Jesus. Many who said with great sorrow, this teaching is too difficult. Who can accept it? And I too am like that. Choosing the empty calories of my solitary grudges and resentments, bodies dragged from wells instead of the living body of Christ gathered here in this room tonight. Honestly, there have been Sundays this year where I'd rather stay isolated with my bitterness towards the world then come to this church and just be with other people like me, awkwardly yet earnestly feeding each other bread. In truth, I spend most of my week feasting on a cardboard communion of doubt, fear, grudge, and resentment. I dress it up to make it look real and justified, but it is often only when I am here with you all eating bread from your hands, that I realize my weekday bread is empty of spirit. And it feels too difficult, too shameful, and I don't want to accept it. But Jesus says to us over and over and over, especially in August, I am the bread, I am the bread, eat the bread, eat the bread. Do this and you will live. John's Jesus is unabashedly about abundant human life, and today's scripture is no exception. He is trying to say to us what my friend said to me, we are changed by what we worship, so choose carefully. Jesus' strange insistence on bread and flesh also says to me that worshiping the living thing with a future can heal us giving our all to something like the taste of spirit-filled bread, receiving it fully can change our entire relationships to ourselves, to creation, and to God herself. If we choose the thing with living spirit and not just the hungry ghost that sits in a trophy case. When I am at home, my metaphorical altar is that one-person trophy case filled with ghosts dragged up out of a cold well, empty calories that cause a stomach ache every time, and things that close my heart and make me feel embattled against the world. Here, in Christ's community, the altar is a simple table open to all with bread that needs no polishing and a cup filled with the spirit of life, made that way by those who gather around it. There has been a lot of bread scripture this month. 
and I realize that it takes me that long to set down my false idols. Jesus whispers in my ear every time I descend to the land of death to worship rotting bodies of resentment, grudge, fear, and anger. He says, live, my beloved. Eat bread of spirit and flesh. Choose life, choose people, choose forgiveness. Come to the table. Break bread and see that it is real. Set down your cardboard communion with death. There is food for you here. Eat of it, this simple thing full of spirit, and you will live forever. Worship at this altar made by these living people, and that which most hungers in you will finally be full. May it be so, and amen. You have been listening to the sermon podcast for House for All Sinners and Saints. If you like what you've been hearing and would like to support the ongoing ministry of our church, just go to our website, www.houseforall.org, and click on Give.